0: life is complex join us for the simple gifts of wisdom love and delight in the written word the life and adventures of robinson crusoe by daniel defoe chapter eight surveys his position part two from this moment i began to conclude in my mind that it was possible for me to be more happy in this forsaken, solitary condition, than it was probable I should ever have been in any other particular state in the world. And with this thought, I was going to give thanks to God for bringing me to this place. I knew not what it was, but something shocked my mind at that moment, and I durst not speak the words. How canst thou become such a hypocrite, said I, even audibly, to pretend to be thankful for a condition which, however thou mayest endeavor to be contented with, thou wouldst rather pray heartily to be delivered from. So I stopped there, but though I could not say I thanked God for being there, yet I sincerely gave thanks to God for opening my eyes, by whatever afflicting providences, to see the former condition of my life, and to mourn for my wickedness, and repent. I never opened the Bible, or shut it, but my very soul within me blessed God for directing my friend in England, without any order of mine, to pack it up among my goods and for assisting me afterwards to save it out of the wreck of the ship. Thus, and in this disposition of mind, I began my third year, and though I have not given the reader the trouble of so particular an account of my works this year as the first, yet, in general, it may be observed that I was very seldom idle, but having regularly divided my time according to the several daily employments that were before me, such as, first, my duty to God, and the reading the scriptures, which I constantly set apart some time for thrice every day. Secondly, the going abroad with my gun for food, which generally took me up three hours in every morning, when it did not rain. Thirdly, the ordering, cutting, preserving, and cooking what I had killed or caught for my supply. These took up great part of the day. Also, it is to be considered, that in the middle of the day, when the sun was in the zenith, The violence of the heat was too great to stir out, so that about four hours in the evening was all the time I could be supposed to work in, with this exception, that sometimes I changed my hours of hunting and working, and went to work in the morning, and abroad with my gun in the afternoon. To this short time allowed for labor, I desire may be added the exceeding laboriousness of my work, the many hours which, for want of tools, want of help, and want of skill, everything I did took up out of my time. For example, I was full two and forty days in making a board for a long shelf, which I wanted in my cave, whereas two sawyers, with their tools and a saw pit, would have cut six of them out of the same tree in half a day. My case was this. It was to be a large tree which was to be cut down, because my board was to be a broad one. This tree I was three days in cutting down, and two more cutting off the boughs, and reducing it to a log or piece of timber. With inexpressible hacking and hewing, I reduced both the sides of it into chips, till it began to be light enough to move. Then I turned it, and made one side of it smooth and flat as a board from end to end. Then, turning that side downward, cut the other side till I brought the plank to be about three inches thick, and smooth on both sides. Anyone may judge the labor of my hands in such a piece of work, but labor and patience carried me through that, and many other things. I only observe this in particular to show the reason why so much of my time went away with so little work, namely, that what might be a little to be done with help and tools was a vast labor, and required a prodigious time to do alone, and by hand. But notwithstanding this, with patience and labor, I got through everything that my circumstances made necessary to me to do, as will appear by what follows. I was now, in the months of November and December, expecting my crop of barley and rice. The ground I had manured and dug up for them was not great, for as I observed, my seed of each was not above the quantity of half a peck, for I had lost one whole crop by sowing in the dry season. But now my crop promised very well, when, on a sudden, I found I was in danger of losing it all again by enemies of several sorts, which it was scarcely possible to keep from it. As, first the goats, and wild creatures which I called hares, who tasting the sweetness of the blade, lay in it night and day, as soon as it came up, and eat it so close that it could get no time to shoot up into stalk. This I saw no remedy for, but by making an enclosure about it with a hedge, which I did with a great deal of toil, and the more, because it required speed. However, as my arable land was but small, suited to my crop, I got it totally well fenced in about three weeks' time. And shooting some of the creatures in the daytime, I set my dog to guard it in the night, tying him up to a stake at the gate, where he would stand and bark all night long. So in a little time the enemies forsook the place, and the corn grew very strong and well, and began to ripen apace. But as the beasts ruined me before, while my corn was in the blade, so the birds were as likely to ruin me now, when it was in the ear. For going along by the place to see how it throve, I saw my little crop surrounded with fowls, of I know not how many sorts, who stood, as it were, watching till I should be gone. I immediately let fly among them, for I always had my gun with me. I had no sooner shot, but there rose up a little cloud of fowls, which I had not seen at all, from among the corn itself. This touched me sensibly, for I foresaw that in a few days they would devour all my hopes, that I should be starved, and never be able to raise a crop at all. And what to do I could not tell. However, I resolved not to lose my corn if possible, though I should watch it night and day. In the first place, I went among it to see what damage was already done, and found they had spoiled a good deal of it, but that as it was yet too green for them, the loss was not so great, but that the remainder was likely to be a good crop, if it could be saved. I stayed by it to load my gun, and then coming away, I could easily see the thieves sitting upon all the trees about me, as if they only waited till I was gone away. And the event proved it to be so, for as I walked off, as if I was gone, I was no sooner out of their sight than they dropped down one by one into the corn again. I was so provoked that I could not have patience to stay till more came on, knowing that every grain that they ate now was, as it might be said, a peck loaf to me in the consequence. But coming up to the hedge I fired again, and killed three of them. This was what I wished for, so I took them up, and served them as we serve notorious thieves in England. "'hang them in chains for a terror to others. "'It is impossible to imagine that this should have such an effect as it had, "'for the fowls would not only not come at the corn, "'but in short, they forsook all that part of the island, "'and I could never see a bird near the place as long as my scarecrows hung there. "'This I was very glad of, you may be sure. "'And about the latter end of December, "'which was our second harvest of the year, "'I reaped my corn.' I was sadly put to it for a scythe or sickle to cut it down, and all I could do was to make one, as well as I could, out of one of the broadswords, or cutlasses, which I saved among the arms out of the ship. However, as my first crop was but small, I had no great difficulty to cut it down. In short, I reaped it in my way, for I cut nothing off but the ears, and carried it away in a great basket which I had made, and so rubbed it out with my hands, and at the end of all my harvesting. I found that out of my half peck of seed I had near two bushels of rice, and about two bushels and a half of barley, that is to say, by my guess, for I had no measure at that time. However, this was a great encouragement to me, and I foresaw that, in time, it would please God to supply me with bread. And yet here I was perplexed again, for I neither knew how to grind or make meal of my corn, or indeed how to clean it and part it, nor if made into meal, how to make bread of it, and if how to make it, yet I knew not how to bake it. These things being added to my desire of having a good quantity for store, and to secure a constant supply, I resolved not to taste any of this crop, but to preserve it all for seed against the next season, and in the meantime to employ all my study and hours of working to accomplish this great work of providing myself with corn and bread. It might be truly said that now I worked for my bread. I believe few people have thought much upon the strange multitude of little things necessary in the providing, producing, curing, dressing, making, and finishing this one article of bread. I, that was reduced to a mere state of nature, found this to my daily discouragement, and was made more sensible of it every hour, even after I had got the first handful of seed corn, which, as I have said, came up unexpectedly, and indeed to a surprise. First, I had no plow to turn up the earth, no spade or shovel to dig it. Well, this I conquered by making me a wooden spade, as I observed before. But this did my work but in a wooden manner, and though it cost me a great many days to make it, yet, for want of iron, it not only wore out soon, but made my work the harder, and made it be performed much worse. However, this I bore with, and was content to work it out with patience, and bear with the badness of the performance. When the corn was sown, I had no harrow, but was forced to go over it myself and drag a great heavy bough of a tree over it, to scratch it, as it may be called, rather than rake or harrow it. When it was growing and grown, I have observed already how many things I wanted to fence it, secure it, mow or reap it, cure and carry it home, thrash, part it from the chaff, and save it. Then I wanted a mill to grind it, sieves to dress it. "'yeast and salt to make it into bread, and an oven to bake it. "'But all these things I did without, as shall be observed, "'and yet the corn was an inestimable comfort and advantage to me too. "'All this, as I said, made everything laborious and tedious to me, "'but that there was no help for. "'Neither was my time so much lost to me, because, as I had divided it, "'a certain part of it was every day appointed to these works.' and as I had resolved to use none of the corn for bread till I had a greater quantity by me, I had the next six months to apply myself wholly by labor and invention to furnish myself with utensils proper for the performing, all the operations necessary for making the corn, when I had it, fit for my use. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be